Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. All right, we are live. Good morning, everyone. It's the notorious, glorious Magilla Gorilla himself, a monetary monkey of mayhem, V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live with my main man, the master of the flux capacitor, a.k.a. El Coco, a.k.a. the Latino Heat himself, and we're giving you the news, the views, and all the information important to you. Check us out, roguemoney.net. Follow us on Twitter at the Rogue Money and Rogue Money on Facebook, DTube, Steam, it, every single podcasting app known to humanity. We are there. We are there. Then some in a bag of chips. I don't make any sense, but it's okay because it's Monday. You better get out the way. We're starting the day. We're starting the week off right. You know we keep it tight. With that being said, CJ, what's happening? Hey, what's what's going on, V? I, I tell you what, I, I truly enjoyed over the weekend from the, the, the G7. Oh yeah, the UFC. Yeah, well, Lucky yeah, I got, to, I got to an ex- experience a UFC fight uh, live, and I and, and I not just board. any UFC fight. What a fight card that was! It it, it was stacked. I mean, there was so many, you know, name it top top fighters that were there. Yeah, so we had we had a great time. Just an, just a one time experience for you. I mean, just phenomenal just it's a whole different than you know obviously watching yeah. the pay-per-view and and i tell you what the ufc you know their organization their structure how they do everything very professional uh very tight they got they got everything you know locked down so it was it was yeah it was a great event uh for for the family so if, if any of our listeners are, are fight fans and never experienced a, a live fight you got to do it at least once at least once yeah. Absolutely, man. So what do you think about the Romero Whitaker fight, man? What's your take on that? What's your opinion? Because that was a little controversial there, man. I don't think the UFC, I don't think they had any choice but to give it to Whitaker just primarily because it would have just screwed so many things up. I mean, I, I wish it, you know, the, the whole uh, Chicago Athletic uh, Commission that, you know, how they kind of screwed up, you know, giving Romero the time needed to to make weight. If, if that was in Vegas, he probably would have the time. He probably would have made weight everything would have been good yeah uh, they didn't I give think, him any time whatsoever they cut him like two he's still two hours of weight cutting and, they, and he missed it by like what a pound not even it was 0.2 it oh was my 0.2. god it's such garbage bs yeah 185.2 they give him they gave him apparently they gave him two additional hours and they then they stopped and said no 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 we need you to come weigh now so he was still cutting that's why he was so weak like i'm sure that he was in a in a, in a, a heat room right you know just you know right. sweating away and melting off the pound Sure. Yeah, but you know, so again, you know, just the fight. I think it, 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 at least it could have been. They could have just made it a, a draw. I mean, but Romero definitely, you know, consistently was over striking. I I think that just the pure pure strikes alone and and hits. Uh, but it would have screwed a lot you know, up. Think about that. You're, you know what it, sucks, man. What sucks that? the most is that it's like, how do you fight when you know that because you missed weight by point two pounds, and now the belt is no longer on the line? Like, what is the point? It's kind of like demoralizing, right? The belt, the pay, you know, a lot goes into that. I mean, this is the second dirty. time. This is the second time Romero missed, you know, wait for a for a main card like this, a huge event. So now the UFC has that dilemma over their head that 
you know, do you structure the next fight around, you know, Romero? You know, I, I don't know if he'll get a title shot for a minute. Just Well, you know, point. I think he will. I mean, Dana White said that um, he said that they're going to go back to their old weight rules. You know, which is great, which would give which is basically fighters are getting weighed at 4 p.m. gives them ample time to cut down. You know, the old rules. And he, he says it needs to be done because he talks to a lot of a lot of fighters are under the, the current gun. A lot of fighters are having trouble making weight. You know, the last Kevin Lee fight, same thing. He had, you know, problems getting down to weight. It's, it's, it's terrible, man. I mean, they should at least give him the Romero at least the, the, the two hours needed in order to stop. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and it was in the lovely uh, city of Chicago. And I know Gus talks about Chicago often, but. You know, you you have to love the uh, the uh, utopia of of socialism and, and how everything is just so overtaxed in Chicago. It's oh it's God. ridiculous. Like I think between the, by the time I hit the toll road from Indiana to get to Chicago, I think it was like maybe like ten bucks in tolls, and you're talking about less than like maybe fifteen miles. And then and then the hotel tax is unreal. So hotel tax, I think I think it's like seventeen percent. Jesus, state, and, then, and then another like eight percent downtown tax that they have. So, <laughs> wow, and people people wonder why you know Chicago is 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 so messed up. But um, yeah, anyway, V, yeah, it was it was it was a great weekend. How was your weekend? It was good, man. It was good. I uh, running errands. Uh, the I guess the highlight of my weekend was uh, this morning. I finally was able to tune up my M5, and now that that. Beast is putting out 700 horsepower, man. I'm very happy with it, man. It's it's uh, it's terrifying, CJ. It's terrifying. There, there's something about driving a vehicle on the edge of performance where you know that one false move and it's your end. It's 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 uh, <laughs> living life, dude. I would not drive that car with the traction control off. I just wouldn't. Not if I'm unless I'm on a racetrack. There is no freaking way my god the thing is making right now over 700 horsepower probably like 680 690 pound feet of torque it is a beast it is a german missile it's a it, it, it's it's an intercontinental ballistic missile at this point that was my highlight i get to finally you know i was sitting on the <laughs> my neighbors are looking at me i had the car pulled halfway in the garage hoods all open you got like a battery charger going into the into the battery terminals. I'm sitting in my car with my laptop, with a with a wire going to the OBD2 port, and I'm sitting there just like programming the car, waiting the flash to go through. It's lights <laughs> were flashing, wipers were going off, and I'm sitting there all the time. In the back of my head, I'm like, Am I going to break this car? Am I? The fear is there. Like, I'm going to break this car. I'm going to I'm going to brick the ECU. It's going to go dead. And they're going to have to have a tow to the stupid dealer, and then explain to them how I broke this car. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and they're gonna say you did what <laughs> yeah then i gotta explain to them how i broke it using an ecu flash which voids my warranty <laughs> oh, Jesus. i'm like oh man good times dude that's about it dude it, it was uh uneventful but it just you know just cost some quality time with the, with the family that's yeah and I, I hope our fans had a great weekend too i hope you were able to tune out a little bit of the yeah. madness spend some quality time with family friends hanging out you know, I've been trying to find that that balance. The it's just you know so important right now to find that balance, dude. It really is, man. You gotta have some time for yourself. You gotta have some time for family. Time for family, time for self. I think it's the most important thing that people could do right now, especially in these days, man. Especially in these days. 
Anyway, bro, where do you want to start, man? Where do you want to begin this illustrious journey into this week? <clears throat> well, let's let's jump real quick into uh, RogueMoney.net. There's an article that went up. Uh, James posted it uh, last night, overnight, V, and that has specifically to do with uh, Trump taking a basically a wrecking ball to the G7. I love it. Summit. And it, it's fun to watch this primarily because for so long we have caved, you know, to the G7. He specifically decided to uh, call out Justin Trudeau, call him a liar, you know, to his face. <laughs> and then specifically leave uh, prior to the big uh, uh, climate change <laughs> portion yeah. of the meeting. Yeah. So he said, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm done. Justin Trudeau is a 15-year-old girl stuck in a man's body. That's that's what Justin Trudeau is. He is the he is the poster child of beta cuckdom. Okay, he is the poster child of a beta cuckold. That's who he is. That's Justin Trudeau. No one has any respect for Trudeau. He's a joke. He's like Obama. Nobody had any sort of. Like, eh, Obama's a nice. No, no. It's, yeah, he's a nice guy. But you, you think you think Obama struck fear and intimidation into anybody? No. No, not at all. Everybody's uh, intimidated by Trump, and I freaking love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's good. Yeah, and so and so. More importantly, during you know the meeting, you know Trump specifically stated that well, why is why is Russia not here? Why is Putin no longer here? Russia should be here. Right. Uh, the newly elected Italian guy was it there? I just lost my train of thought. President, Prime Minister, I was, yep. what's the Italian? Whatever he is. Said I yeah. agree completely. I guess he even tweeted it out and said, "Yeah, he he should be here." And I think Correct. at that point is when the European, you know, I hate to call them leaders, specifically said, "Well, you know, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to you know have this meeting and move forward." Uh, so so Harley wrote an article covering that. So go to RogueMoney.net, uh, check that out. You know, we all know it specifically has to do with the trade imbalance, the things that Trump is attempting to accomplish. And I know we're going to break that down in in, a, in another article. Be yeah, man, I guess we could start off with that. I mean, since, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's a perfect segue to talk about Trump's plan, America's plan. This is an article by Strategic Culture. And uh, let's just break this down. Um, internet's acting a little slow. Here we go. Okay. It's America's plan. Trump's plan is America's plan. It's the American model right here. This is what uh, Harley um, was talking about. Okay. Trump's U.S. aims for domination not through globalist permanent infrastructure of U.S. defense umbrella, but through smart leveraging of the U.S. dollar and financial clearing monopoly by ring fencing and holding tight U.S. technology and by dominating the energy market, which in turn represents the on-off valve to the economic growth of the U.S. rivals. And this way, Trump can bring the troops home, and yet America keeps its hegemony. America's control of the world global empire, military conflict becomes last resort. Let me stop that right there. As a patriot, as a capitalist, I like that plan. Somebody might say, wait a minute, what? This, this is economic domination. Let me break down what's being done here. I would much rather have economic do domination, which has to be Okay, because when you bring when you when you take the 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 military hegemony out of the way, 
when you take the military domination out of the way, what you are left with, you have to compete at an economic level. You have to compete at a level economically with your peers. Because let me tell you something. Do not think for one second that this is exactly what China is not doing. Because it is. This is exactly what the Chinese are doing. The Chinese have studied the failed British model, which we have been copying and mimicking for the last several decades, which does not work. And the Chinese said, hey, you know what? We're going to win economically. We're going to win because this is the old Japanese model. In, In some ways, in some semblance it is. And the old Japanese model, folks, if you've, if you've been around during the 80s, during the 90s, you would understand the Japanese motto, which was so popularized by actually one of my favorite books, fictional books as is, but nonetheless a great book. It's a great read. Uh, Michael Crichton, one of the greatest authors, uh, in my opinion, one of the great fictional authors of our time, Michael Crichton, uh, famous for writing Jurassic Park, wrote the book Rising Sun. And I recommend anybody read Rising Sun. It's a fantastic read, a fantastic, fantastic read. It's a thriller. It's a mystery. It'll grab you by the throat and never let you go. Great book. Terrible movie, but great book. In the book, it was popularized an old adage by the Japanese. It is their old motto. That old motto is business is war. The Japanese knew, they understood that they cannot win militarily. That military aggression is not the way forward. And thankfully, the Japanese have learned, hey, you know what? Pre-World War II, we were spending X amount of our GDP on war. And what did it cost us? Well, it costed us millions of lives. It costed us us two nuked cities. And even prior before that, the vast expanse and expensive expanse of the Japanese empire was very expensive to maintain. The Japanese developed a military-industrial complex where those in the military-industrial complex demanded more and more and more of the public pie. They understood it was very expensive. But the Japanese, under the new, when they turned the relief over, and they became a capitalistic society, they became a society... Of of business and 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 uh, and and ventures and 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 innovation, they turned that leaf and they understood a new dictum. That dictum was business is war. Business is war. Business became their conflict. They undercut. They outmaneuvered. They outflanked by any means necessary their economic rivals, including the United States. They, at one point, folks, during the 90s, were not only were the second largest economy in the world for a long time until China dethroned them just a few years ago, not only were they the second largest economy in the world, but they were the largest, at one point during the years, they were the largest stock and bond market on the planet. That's how winning their formula was. Now, granted, there's, you know, eventually their, their economy reset, their yen was artificially low. We all know the whole entire thing. But the point is, we know the failings of the Japanese economy. That is not what I want to focus on. But I want to focus. I want to focus. I want to focus. I want you guys to zero in. And I want you to focus on the fact that they switched from a war fronting, from an imperial fronting, to a complete economic front. 
And yay, though, they went through a boom bust cycle, which is normal, which is what's going to happen in a in a in a capitalist society, especially that with uh, some uh, socialistic type control, central planning controls because they had a central bank. Uh, because they had a, uh, a fractional reserve lending, these things happen, right? Boom busts happen all the time, right? But the point is, you cannot deny the economic growth during that time period enriched the lives of tens of millions of Japanese. You just could not deny that fact. Okay? Japan understood it. When China began to rise in power, when China said to themselves, hey, you know what? We need to gear up. We want to be more than just, quote, unquote, the factory of the world. We want to be more than just the factory of the world. We want to be known more than just the place of sweatshops. We want to be known more than just the place of Nike sneakers and cheap electronics. They began to gear the industries. They began to monumentally shift. And they geared up their economy. They geared up their society. And right now, no kidding aside, without any of the fudged numbers of the U.S. GDP, China it literally is the largest economy in the world. They have the largest banking sector. They have the most liquid stock and bond market. Okay? I'm sorry, not bond market. Liquid equities market. Very cash rich. Low debt in comparison to their GDP. And on top of that, their debt is not systemic. They learned a valuable lesson. They learned not to copy the idiot British, which is the idiotic model we're copying. The British decided to copy that model from the, from the, from the boy lover Romans. The boy lovers. Okay. The Nambla Neros of that time. The Nambla Neros of that time. The Roman model was a was a was a, was failed. It was a failure. And this Western model of militaristic, hegemonic, divide and conquer, subterfuge, graft, innuendo, you name it, what have you, cloak and dagger, nonsense of empire expansion has been running roughshod through the Romans, through the the British. We decided to adapt it. When it was never the American system. The American system, the way our founding fathers framed things, was designed to win economically. It was designed not for a a hegemonic militaristic superpower, but a, a, a cunning, sharp, live economic powerhouse that wins on the field of business, that dominates on the field of commerce, that wins through fair and equitable trade, that casts off the restraints of unholy alliances like the G7, like NATO, and more importantly, a nation that puts itself first and its people. That's the American system. I do not mind when my nation economically dominates. I love it. I cheer for her. That's what I want. 
It's what I desire. It's my dream. It's my hope. And it should be yours as well. That our nation no longer becomes a out-of-control sycophant that serves at the altar of war, death, and destruction. You see, on the on 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 the the very realm of economic development, the very realm of an economically fair and equitable America, an economic powerhouse of America that shifts itself from a militaristic empire to an economic powerhouse, folks, benefits the entire world. My God, I would always say to myself, we make the best stuff in the world. You know, yesterday I was, uh, you know, last, yesterday over the weekend, I was making a Starbucks run real quick. I was, and I I saw my old buddy there, right? My, my, My buddy, Rich, great guy, car nut, just like me. He's a total gearhead, total watch nerd. And I had my Rolex 1166LV. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, that is the Rolex Hulk. That is the, the green dial with the beautiful green ceramic bezel Rolex Submariner. I had my Rolex Hulk on my wrist. And Rich was there. We were in Starbucks. And Rich had an American-made micro-brand watch called a Genoa. Genoa Ocean Rover. And this Genoa was a homage. It's a homage to the 1964 Rolex Submariner that was available for the British Navy, that Rolex made for the British Navy. And it's a homage to that watch. Rolex no longer makes that particular type of model. They're extremely rare, and they're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars if you would like to acquire one. There's like a handful left in the world. But the point is, this is an American-made watch, and it's a homage. And I picked up, and I snapped some pictures, and I picked up my Rolex, and I picked up his Genoa. And the level of fit and finish on this handmade American watch, my God, it sent shivers down my spine. The watch was stunning. Stunning. And it reminds me that when Americans get together and say that they are going to decide to do something, we do it better than anyone. We can match anyone in the world, and we can exceed anyone in the world. And I'm looking at this watch, and I say to myself, my God, this is a, a, an enamel-painted dial. That's expensive to do. These are hand-applied indicacies, and they're filled by this thing called loom sand. And that is very expensive and pricey and something that you'd find in an old grandfather clock. But why is this doing in a wristwatch? It has a domed sapphire lens and its own proprietary custom movement. And I'm looking at myself, I'm like, wow, this really is build quality, toe-to-toe with a Rolex Hulk compared to this Ocean Rover. I was blown away. I was blown away. And that, folks, is a testament to American craftsmanship. We can make things that can rival the world. And when we are an economic powerhouse, when we're focusing on things that is economically minded rather than military expansionist, we make great products that people want to buy. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. 
I love it. Energy dominance. Why? Why is energy dominance important to us? Energy, oil, petroleum, natural gas, these are the blood. These are the absolute lifeblood of an economy. And we, folks, are floating on oil. We have more oil than pretty much anybody in the world, possibly as a close rival to the Russians. That's how much oil we have. We are far exceeding Saudi Arabia, far exceeding anything in the Middle East. We are a rival in terms of oil, in terms of LNG, to the Russians. We're an energy powerhouse. When we're an energy powerhouse, I want you to think about this for one second, right? We have massive debt. We know that. Trump knows that. He knows that. He's not stupid. You think he's dumb for one second? Or one second he's out, he's out there saying, hey, you know what? The stock market is, uh, there's a bubble in the market. It's the worst bubble ever. The economy has problems. Unemployment is very high. It's probably 25 30%. And now he's singing a different tune. You don't think he knows that? He's winning brownie points for those who don't know any better. So when the time comes, and the time is coming, that this current economic system has to be done away with, that which is old has to be made dead, and that which is new has to be brought forward. This is why energy, he's ratcheting down on energy. Right? He's ratcheting down on making the right type of strategic relationships throughout the world. He's ratcheting down on everything that we need to maintain our dominance energy with our energy stores, with our energy industry. Now watch this now. So the petrodollar dies. Let it die. So the, 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 the dollar world reserve currency status dies. So let it die. What does that leave us with? Well, it leaves us with a dollar that is still in this new paradigm. The debt, he'll default on the debt. Okay, well, let's all start over. Everybody's got debt. China, you got $23 trillion in debt. We got $200 trillion in debt. The Japanese got, you know, God knows how long, like $250 trillion in debt. Everybody's got debt. Everybody's screwed up. Let's all hit the reset button together just like that, and boom. Boom, we enter a jubilee year, and let's reset the clock. Now we have a, instead of a world reserve currency, we have a floating competing currency that competes against other currencies in the world, and we have a commodity-backed currency that's backed by our energy stores. Win-win. Win-win. And at that point, because we've ratcheted so tightly on energy to strengthen the dollar, we can get an infrastructure going. We can rapidly scale up a physical economy. This is a potential scenario that can happen. It can happen. And that's why the fight's not over, folks. That's why the midterm to 2018 midterm elections are, are very important. Think about that. It's important to understand what this, the whole strategy is. Why did that be? Yeah. You know, when you look at what's happening, someone's got to pick up the slack, right? I've been detailing this for years now, which is the situation in Saudi Arabia. They are running out of oil. They are divesting themselves from petroleum. They're getting into LNG. Hell, they started a war in Syria over liquid natural gas. They created that 
a, a threatening a blockade and military action against Qatar. Why? For liquid natural gas. They are in Yemen. Why? For liquid natural gas. LNG. LNG. Why are the Saudis after LNG? Because they're out of oil. They're out of oil. No more. No more. No more. And you have a lot of other problems. Saudi Arabia is one of the biggest buyers of U.S. debt. And how much debt in the United States debt they hold is still classified secret. Problems. Problems everywhere you look. Saudi Arabia knows a long-term future for petroleum prices in decline. They can't control prices at all. At all with LNG. Can't. They can't get those stores. They can't get anything going. They're in a big, big problem. Who can fill that void? Who can fill that market gap? Well, there's two countries in the world that can do it. Actually, three. Russia, Iran, and the United States of America. So, folks, this is what is being played here on the grand. If I was to give you guys a 30,000 view of the chessboard, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Is it written in stone that what I just said is going to happen? No, it's not written in stone. But there's a very strong possibility of this happening. This is why we as Americans need to be involved in the political process. We as Americans need to be vigilant. We as Americans need to understand that it is a republic. If you can keep it, CJ. No, very well said, V. You know, I completely agree. It, it's going to take a lot of work. There's, there's no doubt about it. <clears throat> if you look at the shift economically, you know, here in the U.S., uh, just f- from our depleted manufacturing point, and unfortunately, the landscape has changed so much. Uh, we'll have to fight to get that back. You know, we are very consumer-driven economy. Um. It, it was we Americans who, who wanted, you know, higher quality products, uh, affordable, uh, cheaper made products. It, that's one reason why companies like, you know, Walmart were allowed to take over the landscape across the country and dominate in a lot of retail sectors. Now that's changing with, you know, with Amazon, with some of these online companies. But what, at the root of that, B is Amazon or Walmart being able to tell U.S. manufacturers, you know what? I I, I don't want to buy your goods because you're, I can buy it from China significantly cheaper uh, because that's what that's what my my consumers that's what they're they're driving me to. For, so from that landscape perspective, there you, you take a look at the automobile industry and you know through the 80s and 90s, the U.S. automobile industry went through a, a huge problematic years with you know just manufacturing cars that just weren't up to spec, up to speed, up to quality. And they fought very hard to get that back the last several years. So there's a lot of different industries that, you know, we as Americans, well, we, we probably will have to eventually, it's going to happen that we'll have to pay more for some of these goods. You know, it, it, you know, companies, are, look, companies are just as guilty, right, of this. So it was companies that wanted cheap labor, companies that wanted to move their, their uh, manufacturing overseas. It wasn't directly tied to you know tariffs and all this the, the economies of scale of of uh, of you know tariffs and everything else. So so corporations have a responsibility in that as well. And are they going to be willing to do to do the right thing to revitalize you know American industry here? So 
So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And let's hope by, you know, focusing on the energy sector by taking a look and renegotiating a lot of these, you know, these trade deals, there's no doubt that the trade imbalance is, is very significant that impacts us here at the U in the U S but there will be a time period that we will see inflation hit. We will see rising prices. So it's, it's, it's going to be tough to get through that. And then politically, you know, remain in power when the, the people that, that, that do are dependent upon, you know, low, lower price gas, cheap, you know, cheaper, you know, consumer goods, when they're having to pay more for those things, it really, you know, impacts things politically. So let, let's hope this, um, you know, again, you know, what happened to the G7, Trump was exactly right, that this needs to be, you know, bring Russia in, you know, take a look at what's happening geopolitically with the re realignment of the, of the BRICS nations. And then let's follow that up with hopefully, you know, tomorrow's meeting with, you know, Kim Jong-un and a peace, you know, event that can, you know, lead to lead to conversations with Russia, a big win to get here domestically in the U.S., some of the the, the naysayers, the hard left off of his back, that it would it'd just be a big win. So at this point, yeah, we have no choice but to try to remain confident, keep, you know, moving forward uh, with with what's happening. And and we got to We got to ensure that we're there to uh, politically be involved, because that's that's the system that we're working with right now. Absolutely. Very well said, my man. Very well said. Siege, bro, we are at the end of the broadcast, my man. We got uh, we got next. Yeah, so London Paul uh, had to had to, has to reschedule. We will get him scheduled for later on in the week. And I'm working with uh, Rory. We're going to try to move him up on the schedule, uh, but Rory will be coming on to specifically talk about uh, some of his efforts. You know, the the censorship lately has just been off the charts. We shared a couple weeks ago that Sean got his second strike. We're just continuing to see, you know, Jeez. Google, YouTube, these things happening. And uh, Rory has uh, has some information that he'd like to share, and uh, we're going to go from there. So ho hopefully we'll get uh, with Rory and have him on, uh, you know, shortly. V. Yep, absolutely. With that being said, folks, we are over and out. Let's bring the American system to fruition. Let's make it happen. Let's rediscover the roots of who we are as a people. We are the mavericks, the innovators. We are the ones who blaze the trails that others follow. Let's be who we are, individualistic, wonderful, capitalistic, libertarian-type people. And with that being said, Siege, we're over and out. Take it away.